Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of In Depth with Beth and Seth. It is good to be with you all again this week. My name is Seth Patterson, and I am the Minister for Spiritual Formation and Theater. Yes, I almost forgot my own title. I am glad to be here, and I'm glad to be here with Beth Hoffman Faith, who, do you remember your title? I do, but I empathize because sometimes it doesn't just roll off the tongue very easily. I get caught on it somewhere. I don't know why. Hello, everyone. I am the Minister for Congregational Care and Worship. Well done. (laughs) And as always, I'm delighted to be with you, Seth. So today, Beth, we are talking about your sermon that was preached yesterday. July, nope, June 6, 2021. <laughs> I'm knowing it's, my titles and my dates. <laughs> it's summer, friends. It's summer. We're all like shifting modes and it's hard to keep track of things. And it's 90 degrees outside, so it might as well be July. June 6, 2021. There was a lot of new things yesterday. So the sermon was is called, To Whom Will We Listen? Which is a great question and that you give us a lot of great ways into that question. So we started a few things with this yesterday. You used 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 4 through 10, and then again 18 through 20. We're beginning something with the history part of the the First Testament. Tell us a bit about that. So for those of you who have listened to us for a while, you may know that we try to create a preaching series under some kind of theme. We've been doing this Uh, since it was Paula, Seth, and I as the primary preachers and have enjoyed sort of putting together various weeks of sermons under one particular theme. And we sort of grappled with what we were going to do this summer because it's vacation time. All three of us will be gone sporadically during the summer. How do you hold together a theme? We weren't really feeling terribly inspired to come up with a theme, but we all also felt it necessary to have some kind of common thread. As a preaching team, I think that's become pretty clear that it, yeah. it's helpful rather than just sort of the random selection of the day that we have some kind of continuity or try to attempt that. And we've gotten good feedback on that. I think people appreciate that. So we have been following the lectionary, which is a three-year cycle of biblical readings, four readings for each Sunday. The whole objective is if you read all four of those readings every week for three years, you will have covered the majority of both the First and Second Testaments. And we made the decision to try a summer of preaching only from the First Testament or the Old Testament or the Hebrew Scriptures. It's so many names for what this so thing. many names for this part of the Bible. Many times preachers, Christian preachers, will choose the gospel upon which to preach. The gospel meaning either Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. There are some traditions that demand it. That- right. There's not really a choice. You must end the sermon with, and that's the grace of Jesus. Like, Mm -hmm. you have no choice. True. That's really true. How nice that we are in a denomination or uh, association of churches that instead we have a freedom of the pulpit and we don't don't have a lot of shoulds when it comes to preaching, which is nice. So we decided to stay with the Old Testament, First Testament, Hebrew scripture reading for the summer. And rather than develop it under some kind of theme- We would let the scripture speak to the individual preacher, lifting up what was deemed important 
but making a commitment to stick with the arc of the story for the Old Testament. And I've said to a couple of people, and I said to Seth right before we started recording, that the challenge for me in this is that when we look at the books, the individual books of that First Testament, there, there is an arc to the story. It's really hard to just take out a few verses and preach a sermon on them because there's so much contextually that needs to be explored. It's part of a much larger story. Whereas the, the gospels are, are, or letters that follow the gospels are episodic. Mm-hmm. They're, they're already sort of put in a bite. There's an over, overarching narrative, but it it's broken into these, here's a story. Mm-hmm. Here's another story. Yeah. But this is a, a people's history. And many people who th- this is their tradition, Jews or Christians that live heavily in, in the first Testament they know these stories already. So when, when you tell this, they already know the larger context, but that's not who we are. We don't know the larger context. So yeah, you have to do some explaining and some putting together. Right. And again, I like the way you said that it's a people's history and we're entering into the history now at a pivotal point with beginning in this first Samuel book of first Samuel, because so there's a transition that's happening. So people have been under the authority of judges who have been appointed by God and the prophets are still around sort of delivering the messages from God, but they don't hold a lot of authority. The judges were the ones that had the rule. And now the people are demanding a king. The, the people are demanding to live in a, a monarchy, a different kind of human governance. That's where we picked up the story on this last Sunday. And then We'll see what happens uh, as we go. But in this Ooh. first little piece, a bunch of cliffhangers every week. <laughs> what will happen next <laughs> what will to happen the kingdom next? of Israel? I'm just, uh, no, it's probably not going to be a happy ending. <laughs> it's just no. never really a happy ending. No, there's a, there's a telenovela that my mother-in-law watches. That's about David at the end of every, every episode. It is just something tragic and awful happens. There's lots of weeping. Right. And we haven't even gotten to David yet, but he'll be coming up in the summer Mm -hmm. uh, series. And so as I was thinking about what to preach, beginning this sermon series, summer series, and entering the story in this pivotal, but also, you know, people aren't really certain what came before. And most of us aren't really familiar with what happens next. I, uh, this wasn't the easiest sermon to create. I have to say, I struggled for several days to kind of find my way into the text. I knew that I had to give some context and provide a little bit of background, particularly on this first Sunday of the summer, but then trying to really pull out of this particular pericope something that would preach that was more distinctive within the story yeah. uh, was a bit of a challenge. Well, and then you had to do it in front of human beings <gasps> for the first time what a in, delight. since March of 20. Well, maybe you haven't preached since February of 2020. We have a 40 foot by 60 foot tent in our parking lot. And we had about 150, 130, 150 people there yesterday in person in their lawn chairs under this tent in the parking lot. And we, you got to speak to humans not yes. just a camera. It really was. It was such a privilege and a joy. And I think we were all feeling kind of the emotion of the day. Uh, I'm sure many people came to that service really hoping they were going to hear Dwayne preach because they haven't even met Dwayne and he's our lead minister. And it was so wonderful for him to offer the welcome and be able to say out loud, I, I'm your lead minister um, to all these people he hasn't met. But because of the way our schedules are, this 
summer. I was the one on for yesterday and uh, I, I don't take that lightly. It was really, really significant to be outside with people in worship. It was time. It was time and it happened and will happen again next week. It, it will happen outside at 9 a.m. throughout the summer with a live stream happening also at 11. So you, uh, if you are unable or don't wish to go sit outside, there's still a way to watch the sanctuary service at 11. But the commercial is over. Let's get into the sermon, Beth Hoffman Faith. You said All some right. things. And while I, di- I didn't listen very well, <laughs> um, there was some something about it. Well, and for those of you who may have seen us together yesterday, and for those of you who didn't, what you need to know is that when I sat down, Seth leaned over to me and said, what did you say? I wasn't really listening, which was sort of the whole point of the sermon. But exactly. I always, I always appreciate your humor. Seth. I do my part. You point out early on in the sermon that in, in those 10 verses of scripture from First Samuel, the word listen is used three times, which mm-hmm. is quite a bit for that little bit of text. And then you invite us to deeply consider two questions that are closely related but distinct are we are you am i a generous listener and to whom ultimately will you listen so let's go let's let's play with that first one i i proved to you that i am not a a generous listener Uh, (laughs) and but would you consider yourself beth to be a generous listener i am in situations that are significant in that way. And I gave an example, like as clergy, as your ministers, we often are invited to listen deeply to your story, to something that you're working through in your life through to, uh, you know, details about a significant transition to to questions and thoughts regarding grief and loss. Uh, What a holy, holy, holy privilege that is for me. It is the reason that I continue on this ministerial journey is is because of the encounters I have with amazing people who are willing to tell me a piece of their story. And I do listen generously then. But I have noticed, particularly in this time of pandemic, which is sort of interesting because we we've had like time and space, I've noticed that my ability to listen when it's not kind of part of my office or when I'm not, you know, in my pastoral role has gotten weaker. And I gave an example of my daughter sort of reminding me when I'm not a very good listener. So what I'm hearing you say is that you listen generously and well when we pay you to do it. (laughs) But (laughs) when it's on your own time... Is, is that what I'm hearing you say? No, that is not not true. Thank you for putting it in such a ooh, kind of trite, lousy way. Oh, I'm just. I know. I was listening deeply and I found a joke in there. <laughs> there's so many distractions in our life that mm-hmm. there that no matter how good you are at listening, there are times where you're not. There are times where right. I to be transparent in the middle of what you were saying, my daughter handed me a note and I read it. I mm-hmm. didn't hear what you were saying for as long as it took me to read a seven word note that I couldn't do both things at once. Well, and I think that's part of why this particular, those words spoke to me. I mean, to me that those words, listen, 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 were the invitation in this text to really consider because we are experts at multitasking. At least we think we are until we completely miss what someone has said. There is so much vying for our attention. And sometimes we just choose 
that which is maybe entertaining, that which is immediate, that which is triggering or the reaction making. Yeah. We just don't always make the right choice when we're listening, I think. No, that's very human of, of us. But you have a great quote in here by Krista Tippett of On Being from NPR. She says, generous listening is powered by curiosity which I love Mm -hmm. a virtue that we can invite and nurture in ourselves to render it instinctive. She's, she's saying it can become a practice. Mm -hmm. It involves a kind of vulnerability, a willingness to be surprised, to let go of assumptions and take in ambiguity. The listener wants to understand the humanity behind the words of the other and patiently summons one's own best self and one's own best words and questions. I, that is such a great summation of what is generous listening. It is curious. It takes practice. You have to commit to doing it. It's not something that you just do. And it takes a vulnerability on the part of the listener. It's not just about the speaker. In listening, there's, there's a relational piece to this. I am vulnerably listening and curious to your story in order to be in it with you. It requires us to be present. And I also said in the sermon that we all know when we haven't been heard and we know when we have. I mean, just last week I was in a meeting and someone had said, I just want to be heard. Yeah. It is a desire that we aren't just speaking into a vacuum, but we are saying things that matter to us that will then matter to another. It's like your powerful quote from Elie Wiesel about being a witness. You know, when you hear a story, you become that story's witness. That's what list, generous listening is. And I really love the phrase generous listening. I wish I had come up with it, but I didn't. <laughs> but it's beautiful. And, that, and I shared a poem with that title, which I have carried with me throughout this pandemic about, you know, really looking at the other and, and naming that other as a miracle. And that when we look at, you know, I think that that's the whole shift in our world needs to happen when we start to look at people differently than we're looking at them now not yes. labeling, not putting them in categories, believing that they are God's miracle. Well, I think they could really shift things. It could. And it's absolutely necessary. And it brings us to this final question of, of our time together, which is who should we listen to? Mm. Who, who is, and that's a much harder one. I can practice the cultivation of listening. I can make myself vulnerable. I can be curious and brave, but there's a lot of voices. So who do I take my practice and, and put it in front of and take in their story? I believe that there's some people out there who are listening very generously to a lot of crazy things, Mm -hmm. but they're listening generously. They are giving it 100% of their attention. I know. And that, that was the hard piece for me in terms of posing that question, because I knew it was one I would not answer for people. I I think that we, we have to discern to whom we will listen, but we really need to give that some thought. We need to do it intentionally and we need to be able, I mean, we can listen to, to something that, and then know that that is either not the truth or our truth or our experience. And then we have to be able to put it aside and listen again. And to know, you know, the, the second part of that question is who holds authority for us? Yeah. I mean, it's, there's a lot of people we can listen to and a lot of people we do listen to, but whose, whose voices are the ones that we respect and use to then shape our own actions in the world. You end the sermon by, like you said, you sort of, you don't answer the first question, but you do give ways into how to listen generously. You don't 
tell us to whom we should listen mm -hmm. and who has the authority. You say, the time is now to listen generously in order to create amazingness together. Mm -hmm. The time is now to determine whose voice holds authority in our lives and to choose those voices with tender wisdom, considering what is best for all over some. And the time is now to turn towards God, surrendering to the divine voice and discerning truth. And everything in there is right. And you leave us with that giant opening of, <laughs> well, what's God saying? And whose interpretation of God and who owns that interpretation? Right. We're back to that question of authority. Well, that's what, when I think to me, it's like holy listening. And sometimes people are very aware that God's voice comes from within. It's that still small voice, you know? Yeah. Sometimes God's voice comes to us as this kind of outside force that nudges us to do something that we can't, we can no longer ignore, but we have to pay attention in order to discern God's voice at all. I mean, that to me is a spiritual practice. Yeah. And that, that is the answer. I mean, without, without being an answer, the answer is practice. Absolutely. Practice and you will fail sometimes. That's part of practice. Is, is or you won't hear up. anything at all. Yeah. I mean, you can or you'll listen to the wrong thing and go, whoa, that was that was a broken path. Right. Right. <laughs> Try to change direction. Yeah. Yes. But you can only know discern that if you have practiced. I think overall the overarching theme is we need to talk less and we need to listen more. Particularly those of us who live in dominant culture. So as yeah. white privileged folks, we need to do a lot more listening, particularly to people of color. And not right just now. listen, but to, to know that, that there is authority in that voice. Absolutely. So theirs is the voice yeah. that holds authority. Well, with that, we hope that you all listened generously and we appreciate your generosity and your listening ears and your open hearts. And we will listen generously to you if you ever have thoughts about these podcasts or uh, the sermons we always would like to hear from you. Thank you, Beth, for preaching a sermon worth talking about. Well, it's always good to be with you, Seth, and friends, be well. Be well, all.